Are you ready for our biannual bitching about the de- degradation of Star Trek? Biannual? I thought it was bi-weekly. <laughs> Yes, Kyle, I am ready. But I think we may have some surprises for each other. I I think so too. Um, So we're talking about Star Trek Lower Decks. What's that? It's it's a Star Trek animated show. It came out, sorry, um, you've technically not watched it legally. Yeah, I've, n- I've if, never if seen anyone it. Asks you, you, if anyone asks, Nathan hasn't actually watched the show yet. I've never seen, what, what, what is the show? Yeah, it's a, it's a new Star Trek animated show that came out on uh, CBS All Access. Right, tell me more. It's by the, uh, the Rick and Morty guys. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, I heard something about that and Captain Janeway's coming into it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a different show. Cut to the theme tune. <laughs> now we're cutting, we've already cut to the theme tune. Ah, you can edit it down. so I have complex feelings about this show I should say straight off that I didn't hate it which is maybe shocking coming from me if anyone's familiar with our work right so I assume we're just kind of getting our off the top opinions just out the way off the top I guess so Kyle it took a couple episodes but I found Star Trek Lower Decks Simply delightful. Delightful? Okay. No, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I found it a breeze. It was it was like I've been trapped in a room deprived of fresh oxygen, and apart from the occasional Anson Mount Pike moment, this is just, this is wonderful. They've opened a window for ten minutes. Interesting. Okay, well, I'm definitely not as positive on it as you. I have my issues with it, but it's not Star Trek Picard, which is the lowest Star Trek can go, as far as I'm aware. But it it didn't work for me in the way it was supposed to work. Like, I for the most part, I didn't find it particularly funny. I think it had funny moments, but I do agree. I never found it, uh, like like however long an episode is. I I never I wasn't laughing start to finish. It was a couple of couple of moments per episode. Maybe not even per episode. Maybe it's once every two episodes. It'll get a good laugh out of me. But I really really enjoy the characters. Interesting. I I enjoy some of the characters. I will say, uh, my least favourite character in the whole show is the cat doctor. I find her so fucking boring. I would agree. I wish that character had died at some point. Yeah, she's We should probably say, I assume we're going to get into spoilers in this review. Yes, yes. Uh, We're going to be a bit scattershot. I guess we we could arrange it by episodes, and, and maybe we should because it's an episodic show. I will say I've only seen the, the first episode in CBS. Yeah, Alexis of course. Yeah, yeah. I think the first episode is the worst episode in the whole season. Is that the one with the zombies? Yes, the yeah. zombies and the and the big spider. I think if when a show opens with an episode like that, I think it is. I mean, it's trying to make a message to this isn't this isn't 
like a traditional Star Trek. This is trying to be something else. But I think you should try and ease your audience into the water as you turn up the turn up the temperature. Mm-hmm. I think if that episode had played in episode seven or something, I think it would have played a lot better. But as a first episode, it was very much a slap in the face. And I think I didn't like it. I think if I were in, not immediately, but if I in time were to go back and watch it, I think I would mellow somewhat on it. But I do think it is my least favourite episode. I mean, let's let's just talk about things. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I'm going to pull sure. up the episode list here. Because there is there is more to discuss than I thought there would be based on my initial week. Because we did talk about it briefly on our last podcast episode, We spoke I about think. the first episode we spoke about. Yeah. So, before it came out, I, I posted a picture on Twitter which, which summarised my thoughts on Star Trek and Lord X and the fandom. <laughs> yes. It was, it was a drawing I did of me in the Lord X style with a... A, a very a, straight would, face. Yes, a very dead-in-the-eyes look. Yes. <laughs> and I did do that for fun, but I did it for a couple of reasons. One of which was... um. On Twitter, there was a whole bunch of people who were, like, selling commissions to have yourself drawn in the Lord X style. Yes. And I found that a little bit insulting, because... And this is this is one of my complaints with the show, is I think the style is really too simplistic and a little bit boring. And, like, I'm not a super talented artist, but I think... And not to toot my own horn, but I think I pretty much nailed the style. I could tell the difference, but it was very similar. Like, if I wasn't looking for it, I don't think... I think the first time you sent me that picture, I didn't clock it. Um, <laughs> you're right, but at the same time, I don't think it's too much of an issue. Whereas we get shows that can be a wee bit over, over-stylized. Um, but also, this is coming from a person that doesn't have a big eye for art. I can appreciate things when I notice them, but when I don't notice them, unless it's bad, I just kind of roll with it. I, the The art style of Star Trek Lower Decks doesn't evoke anything from me, I'll say that. Right, that's kind of my issue with it. It's very um, inoffensive isn't the right word. It's the but Assassin's it's very... Creed syndicate of Star Trek. <laughs> kind of, yeah, but the other thing is, because of that, and because I think we touched on this last time, even this show does do some weird stuff, but nothing it does... Some. Nothing it does, I feel like, couldn't be done just as well in live action. I feel like it doesn't leverage being an animated show enough. I would agree. I, I mean, I, I'm usually of the opinion that an animated show only... Unless you're unless you're targeting kids, it only exists to do things that to do in live action would just be stupid or wacky and impractical. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think we probably agree on that. But also, I think they want to be, and I don't know if this is a sad piece of commentary on how the general audience view animated works. But I think it's also a way to allow yourself to get away with. The comedy and the tone. It's like, ah, it's, an- it's animated. It's anim- it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it's wacky and stupid and they're stabbing each other with bat lifts in the cold open to the very first episode and 
there's zombies around the ship and there's a cat doctor that looks wild and crazy. Like, it's animated. Yeah. If it was live action, you would go, oh my god, look at that prosthetic. It's so bad. There's... You know, hey, the cat look. people in Doctor Who look great, okay? <laughs> you should see you should see one of them in the Jodie Whittaker episode. It's literally bad face paint. Oh God, okay. I think I did see screenshots of that. Uh. <laughs> the Doctor Who, the, the David Tennant era Doctor Who cat people though are fantastic. Yes, I do agree. That that is, I still like. You're right. That is the reason. I <laughs> Maybe it's just because I'm me and I watch a lot of animated stuff. I don't know how much that reasoning holds up anymore. That seems it seems a bit of an outdated perspective to me. I could be wrong about that. But this idea that animated shows are inherently more immature, something like that. Well, there is a big like to bring it into the wider scope of animated versus live action. There is like a a non insignificant number of people who think we shouldn't have an awards category at the Academy Awards for best animated movie because that seems to give the impression that an animated film is not capable of competing with a live action movie to get best picture but isn't it like best foreign film where it can actually still win best picture well no yes it definitely can but sometimes it takes the pressure off people to nominate I mean, it animation is animation is like a distinct form of entertainment. It is different from live action. I'm not going to say otherwise. And I think that's having a category for it is fine because there's other, there's completely different factors to consider, like art style, animation smoothness, all of this stuff that isn't a thing in live action and it's a different thing to evaluate. Well, then they should just rename Best Picture Best Live Action Feature. You know, I think that the reason that it's there was because for so long animated films just weren't before Best Picture, before Best Animated Feature became a category. Best animated movies existed, they were just never getting nominated. And there is a way to recognise them, but this, I, I think Spider-Man. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse very easily could have won Best Picture. Uh, you know how it is though. Um, branded things don't win. Why are we talking about the Oscars, Nathan? Because animation versus live action and there's a stigma around the um, animation. For instance, I was having a conversation with the lovely individual in a UK Star Trek fans group literally not half an hour ago and somebody made a post about Star Trek Lower Decks and they were like, read my journal review and truth be told I never read it. But <laughs> Nathan, no, come on. No, right, so hold on. But I commented because they their kind of prologue to the journal entry was that it's quite a good show and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But here's my deeper thoughts, and I commented saying I never thought I would say this, but I think Star Trek Lower Decks is the best thing modern Star Trek has ever offered the audience. Mm -hmm. And someone else, a completely random person who wasn't me and wasn't the person that made the post, replied to my comment saying uh, they hadn't watched Lower Decks. But they find it hard to believe that a cartoon is better than Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> I'm laughing because that's ridiculous. No, it's completely ridiculous, and I agree. And the post, the person who made the original post, a couple, I said we had this discussion half an hour ago. I was reading through it again half an hour ago. Yeah. Conversation took place a couple of hours ago. And since they 
person who made the post has replied to that individual because I had a polite back and forth with that person but the original poster had replied to that person in that comment thread being like you sound rather derogatory to animated features by calling them cartoons so the, there is a divide between people who merely see a car as ah, cartoon doesn't matter and this is an animated work I do wonder if that's purely an age thing it's possible the person's profile picture was a profile picture of their dogs. Well, so, yes, yeah, so probably really old. Probably <laughs> um, to being an older person. I mean, our, our go-to example is always the Red Letter Media guys, so there's no chance in hell they're watching Lower Decks. It's just not happening. I seriously doubt we're going to see a review on Lower Decks. I don't think we'll see a review. I, however, think Mike will watch it. <laughs> Maybe. But there is... <sighs> And I thought that would be gone because, you know, The Simpsons isn't exactly young anymore, right? The Simpsons is like 30 years old. Yeah, and Mike just copped to recently doing a rewatch of it. Apparently. But there is definitely still that idea that animated means for kids. And that is specifically a very Western standard as well. Stairs like, in South Park. South Park, even South Park, I I think is actually a little bit immature. That just wants to be more mature. Sure, it's immature maturity. But it's definitely not for kids. It's not for kids, no. But it's there's still the stigma that it's lower than real movies and TV. Yes, and I think that is something that we should try and move away from because animation is awesome and you can do so much with it. And I've and, definitely and- come up with this before. Animation is absolutely wonderful and brilliant and should be lorded over. Animate. Like, again, you mentioned that you think Star Trek Lord Dex is a little bit generic and doesn't use the medium to its potential. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're wrong. And I brought up Spider-Verse briefly, not by accident. That is my favourite Spider-Man movie ever. And I think it might be my favourite animated film ever. And I know it's recent and things need to hold up to the test of time and fade kind of as the years by to see if people still remember it. But that is an animated work, forgetting what the subject matter was. is visually amazing. Mm-hmm. And the story being great is almost after the fact. Well, that's, that's the ultimate power of animation. There's The limits are gone. You can do anything. Yes, you're right. Whereas in Star Trek Lord Dex, they animate it like they're using ship models from 1989 for Star Trek The Next Generation. I I mean that's they're going they're trying and they're, I don't, they don't think always it's an to this. It's not an accident. They are they're trying to make it feel like Star Trek, right? Which I that's appreciate. I do appreciate that too. But the issue with that is, if you wanted to make to feel like Star Trek, you could just make it live action, and you wouldn't lose much. I think like all the actors they've got for the main cast are real actors. They're not just voice actors, right? Oh yeah, Not no, to um, say that voice actors Bal- are like inherently worse or anything, but uh, Balmer Jack and Quaid, is that his ja- name? Yeah. Yes, Jack Quaid. Balmer, he is one of the leads in the Amazon hit The Boys, opposite Carl right. Urban, who plays McCoy in the JJ movies. Like These are actors. And also there. Simon Pegg is in there, and he's also oh, plays yes. Scotty. Oh, oh, we're getting them all out. I, no, I, God, Kyle, I never made that connection. Simon Pegg isn't in The Boys much. But yes, you're definitely correct. And Jack Quaid is the son of Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid. Hollywood Hollywood high people, 
don't think they've got much of a career anymore, but they were known faces of the past. And he's very much going out on his own, having a hit live action show that he's in about superheroes, Mm -hmm. while simultaneously now having a fairly well-known animated show that he's also a star in. And he's a very good actor. And I think he's got range. the, The thing I keep going back to is, before the show even came out, someone did a fan poster of... Uh, Lord X, but instead of animated characters, they use the actual actors. Right. And I keep thinking back to that fan poster and thinking, yeah, that could just be the show. I have the suspicion that if they were to propose making a live action show, the suits will say, we've got to spend $130 million per page and we've got to have lens flares and these massive sweeping cinematic shots of the ship, and there's got to be action, we've got to have massive space battles, this has got to be cool, and Star Trek Into Darkness, vengeance stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I, I do think that it's probably a suit person problem, because, I mean, you know the joke about how Star Trek Discovery is the producer show? And yes. they, they want to spend their money and... Um, Sorry for the language. They want to whip their dick out in the table <laughs> and show everyone, look how high budget this show is. And for your casual audience member, that's enough. They've just got to look exciting and be a roller coaster. And arguably, that's what some people think of the Marvel movies, except I believe there's more to them than that. But that is there. Mm-hmm. But I think you could cut out all the good stuff of the Marvel movies and leave the spectacle and a non-insignificant portion of your audience would just stick around and be like yeah this is fun just because spectacle and I think maybe they were able to get away with making Lord X imitate Star Trek really well in live action I mean because it was Mm -hmm. animated and who cares which is a depressing view I'm aware but I don't think it's not true either that is understandable you know just thinking um this is kind of like what people say about the Orville, right? Go ahead. Where there's good Star Trek in there, but it's surrounded by annoying attempts at comedy. Because, um, maybe not for some of it, but definitely towards the last few episodes when I started getting more into it, there was some actual Star Trek stuff in there. Not just Not just visuals, I mean like episodes that actually have a point that was, a, that was to about them. something they were about something like that last episode jumping way to the end it's about how you can't mean you have to keep fighting to maintain peace and stuff like this right yes, you can't just the federation might be a little bit flawed in making first contact and then not checking up until the next generation yeah and and the and that's that's actually about something, Nathan. Yes. Can you imagine? <laughs> I know. A it... message in a Star Trek episode. <laughs> what is this witchcraft? This is the Philosopher's Stone. This is the mirror of Eriset. This is <laughs> This is showing me everything I want. And that episode also has what I think is the perfect example of a good a good Star Trek joke followed immediately by a bad one. So the good one is they're they're visiting an episode. uh a planet from TOS. With I think Landru. I think it is from TOS, right? It is, yeah, it's Landru, and it's the vulgar, like the, the some people with regular society, and there's other men with like cloaks and hoods that walk around, and then there's like an, a witching hour where they get to be murderous psychopaths. Yeah, that's, so, that's definitely a TOS. Ep. 
So when Ransom and the captain are talking about it, they show like a picture of Spock and Kirk, and it's in the animated series animation style. Right. And I like that. Was I thought it? that I was a nice noticed. little nod. Yeah, if you look, it's in the animated series okay. style. I never noticed. That's good. And I thought that was a nice little subtle nod. And then right after that is one of the worst ones where Ransom's like, oh yeah, I refer to that as the TOS era. And it's, oh. What did oh, they say? That, uh, that was just cringe inducing. Those old scientists. Yeah. Ugh. And I thought, like, just having that little, that little indication of the animated series, I thought that was funny. But then having Ransom say TOS, I thought was terrible. And that is the perfect, the perfect summarization of the problem with the comedy. It always goes too far. It doesn't let itself be subtle. And I know critiquing comedy is difficult because it's one of the hardest, it's, it's the most, it's just so subjective. Comedy, everyone laughs at different things. But I do think this show is bad at comedy. I I think so. So, I actually laughed at oh, that okay. line. Um, I, I again, I never noticed that the picture of Kirk and Spock was drawn in the art style of the animated series. That's very good. That's very. It's very clever of them. But I did find that when he said TOS a bit cringy, I was like, oh no. But then he said those old scientists or something like that that was like an, it was an acronym for it, mm-hmm. and I thought that was a swing and a save. I I was like that could have been awful. Now apparently you thought that it still was awful, but yeah. I, I was like oh oh they they just saved themselves there. If they, if he just said TOS and left it, I would be like oh no oh no. But I, I'd like the I should note for the benefit of the audience. I'm a sucker for dad humour and the likes. <laughs> um, draws draws me in. Take it takes me in. It slaps me across the face, and I find that's it why you're funny. a fan of Scott Rods on YouTube. <laughs> yes, I am massively. But um, not so. I, I I don't again. Also, I think sometimes bad jokes, if there's nothing else, can be can be awful. But if the episode's good enough, I'm inclined to let stuff slide here or there. There's a lot of stuff in Discovery I would let slide if the show was any damn good. <laughs> but it's just not, so I can't let everything. I can't let anything slide. But in, in Lord X, I find it competent enough above a level where a couple of things here or there that maybe I would criticise in a lesser show, I'm just gonna let it go. Like again, if TOS, I would have, I would, oh, I would have fell in my seat, but. Yeah, I think he saved it. I mean, I think this show is definitely more comparable to Discovery than Picard. For I think the main reason is I don't know if you've noticed this as well, but does it feel like Mariner is a second attempt at Michael Burnham? Um, no, no, because I. I, I couldn't I couldn't really stop thinking about it. Like um I mean I more meta, they're both black women, right? Yes. They both take a very leading role in the show. Like I think arguably Mariner's the main character of the show. I, I think you can I, make that I, argument. I would, I would think she is like it's an ensemble, but she's the lead. TNG is yeah. an ensemble, Patrick Stewart's the lead. She she's dealing with some some parental issues. And 
I think they did a lot better. I think Mariner is both my most and least favourite character in the show. I think when she's being an ass, she's my least favourite, but sometimes when she pulls through with heartwarming moments, I actually buy it. Well, the thing is, um, just her general way of speaking, where she just talks constantly and never takes a breath, and it's a very in-your-face kind of, are you laughing yet? Are you laughing yet? She's saying all this stuff. Are you laughing yet? I just find it so irritating. Yeah, that's the answer. also, as a character, she just has so much more going on than basically anything in Modern Trek, where... I think one of the parts where I started actually liking the show is when her mom promotes her and she just shuts up and you'd realise that she really, really hates being in command of any kind. Yes. Like, she just shuts off. And I thought that worked because it was actually a contrast to how much she'd been speaking before that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I think she doesn't want the responsibility. But when she's got mm-hmm. the responsibility, she's like, she kind of squares up a bit, but it's almost in regret. Yeah. She's like, I don't want this. I really don't want this. Then she was going to take a promotion. She was going to take it. To get off that damn ship where everyone knew she was the, the captain's daughter. Yeah. The, the, I, I mentioned this to you before, but the, the fact that it was a secret was very unclear to me. But I guess that's just me. So I remember you messaging, you'd seen it before me, but I remember when mm-hmm. I was watching it, I gave you some thoughts of being like, I think you said, was it a, was it a secret? Was it a secret? That you... And I remember Balmer was sent sent to spy on her. And then at the end of the episode, there was like the revelation that it's the daughter. But mm-hmm. no, something about it was, I don't know if it was outright said it was a secret. I can't remember. I'm sorry. I didn't go back and watch these episodes twice before doing this recording. It it was it was somewhat insinuated or hinted that it wasn't a well known fact, and I I think maybe earlier in the show I did think, oh why couldn't you just ble-? surely someone has looked at her records because she's such a bizarre Starfleet officer. It's just if you look at them, they just look like mother and daughter. <laughs> but it's I thought not it would like, like a on subtle. Mother and father, Starfleet captain, Starfleet admiral. I think I think I actually called it before the show even came out, just on promotional stills. I think I called it watching the episode. I didn't think about it beforehand. But watching the episode, I was like, oh, they're going to be mother and daughter. And they were. And I was quite happy that I guessed it. What are your thoughts on secondary characters of this show? I feel like there's only one secondary character, and that's Boimler. And then everyone else is a tertiary character. Oh, big play. Well, here's the thing, right? Boimler does have... He kind of has an arc as well. Not nearly as much as Mariner does. But, uh, you know, he wants to be promoted, right? He's the opposite. He's the mirror opposite of Mariner. He's Harry Kim. He's he's a slightly less efficient Harry Kim, yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't dislike Boimler, I think the show gets too silly with him sometimes. Sure. Like, um... I, I, there's there's elements in this show which I haven't looked up, but I know I know that the weird part of the internet is freaking out because like, oh, you always bully the straight white man! Right? I know that exists. It must. 
It must. I, I don't give a shit about that stuff, but it must exist, right? It must exist. But uh, I think the episode that I really didn't like, because I thought they were going to do something cool with it and they didn't, was the episode where he has a girlfriend. The whole episode, Mariner is like, oh, Brad couldn't possibly have a hot girlfriend. He's a loser. And she's she's looking for all these ways, like, is she a salt vampire? They, they recreate the scene from <laughs> from uh, uh, Always Sunny with Peppy Sylvia, where she's got all the, the, the things on the board, <laughs> and she's referencing a bunch of Star Trek stuff. Yes. And I thought the resolution to the episode was going to be, no, he just has a nice girlfriend. And I thought that was going to be, like, a nice Star Trek-y kind of moral. Like, he, he can just have a nice girlfriend, that's fine. And then, no, he had a brain parasite that was making girls like him. So, I th- oh, he, he just ruined it. I think they had to find a way to redeem Mariner a little bit because she was... They couldn't have her be proven wrong. For, for some, I don't know why, but they, ha- they couldn't have her be wrong. She had she had to have been on to something. She, there must have been a reason that she was doing all this. She couldn't have just been wrong. There had to be, like, we can have a girlfriend... And it isn't a monster. But there's there's a parasite. I, I think she could have been wrong. I think that would have made the episode a bit... It would have given it a moral and now it doesn't have one. Sure. So that's... And stuff like that with, with Boimler did happen quite a bit. Like, um, I think it was the, it was the episode uh, where him and Mariner are escorting the, the Klingon... Oh god. And there's a point where she pretends not to recognise a Ferengi. Yeah. Just to give Brad a win. And it's just it, it It didn't feel earned. Like she's just tricking him into thinking he's smart when he isn't. Yeah. I would agree. I know. Can I talk about my favourite episode? Sure. They go to the holodeck, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, not okay. badgy. Not badgy. Oh. No, not badgy. She needs therapy. She kind of oh, loses yes. it. Okay. And uh, Boimler has this. He wants. He's. He wants to have an interview for a promotion with the captain. So he has this training simulation where he can ask her all the questions and find out everything she wants. I think. I think this is a very liberal use or. Overuse, maybe not a liberal one, it's a, but it's an overuse of what a holodeck probably should be capable of, like extrapolating basically a clone of someone based on their personality profile. I don't think that's well, I mean, too out of reach. In TNG, Doherty creates the warp engineer lady, and the personality profiles imply she's going to be really nice. And she I mean, you up. could go further than that. Do you remember the episode where Moriarty recreated the Enterprise in the holodeck? <laughs> yes. But I suppose so. But the point I was going to make is the computer was wrong. It was just she wasn't that nice. But anyway. Yeah. So they do that and we find out that she violates the Prime Directive, Mariner, she does. Yeah. The big fight. Which is a, it, I don't think it is another reference to TOS but it is a, it's a similar concept to the next episode as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, with um, the Landru people. So she goes and hijacks Boimler's interview holodeck program and rewrites it into this movie. 
It opens with Star Trek music and Star Trek logos, and they keep getting hit in the head, and I laughed. I thought that was jolly. And it also, it switches to cinematic aspect ratio. Yes, uh, the aspect, I love the aspect ratio, Kyle. And they get these cinematic shots of the ship, and Bonla keeps trying to ask the <laughs> questions. And he, that was that. I loved that because they didn't they didn't do like the stupid obvious thing that I was expecting, where one of them goes, "Whoa, we're looking at the ship for a long time." They just let it sit, and it's so much funnier because if you've watched, um, <laughs> you watched the motion, the motion picture. picture you, so you know exactly starship. what they're referencing. You know, you know the joke. So much Starship yeah. porn. And I, I honestly think this show is crafted, this, not just this episode, I think Star Trek Lord X is crafted with a lot of love and understanding of the source material. Again, it's not perfect, but I, I still think they're coming from the right place in their heart. Whereas <laughs> the live action stuff, I think, is just a corporate mess to bring but in like, new fans. I, I appreciate, this is becoming very obvious, I appreciate it when the humour is more subtle. Yeah. Like that one, I get it's not subtle, but it's not in your face, obviously. They're not using words. They're just they're 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 doing the thing again. They know they're doing the thing again, so it's funny. Yes, uh and I think he says something and everyone looks at Boimler like, What did you just say? And then he's like, It's a damn fine ship. And he says he's a handsome lady. He's a handsome lady. And which know, in itself is a reference to TOS. Oh no, this is this is it's all great. I, I don't I hate to sound like something that just likes references, right? But this episode warmed my heart because I guess This episode some, was built on references. It's it, the whole gimmick it was, of the episode. It was, but I think I think there's more there's more character stuff at work in this episode and I'll get into it. And you know, he he writes down the note and then he says something right and he says a handsome lady and the captain's like, You're damn straight or whatever and he's like, Yes, okay, call the ship a handsome lady. He writes that down. That way. This is all what, Kyle, I can't express to you how much fun I was having. <laughs> this, this, this was great. I was here for this episode. This was my favourite episode as well, by the way. Okay, and when the credits start to roll, they all go and get in their uniforms. Boimler kind of doesn't, he wants to kick around with the senior crew. And there's mm-hmm. they're in Admiral's office and he says something and the Admiral's like, what is this ensign doing here? And they're like, I don't know. And, um... Mariner and Tendi and the, what's the other one's name? Rutherford. Rutherford. They all disappear. They're kind of just not around. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. It's just, just, it's just them, um, just him, him, him in the holodeck. And they do the aspect ratio. We get a couple of lens flares, which I thought was a cheeky jab. Yeah, page-y. it was fun. Yeah. And they're on the ship and they're doing their space stuff and it's a good old time. And then. They're under attack by Mariner Khan. Uh, she's called like Vin- there he is, yeah, Vindicta. Vindicta, yeah, Mariner Khan. I thought at first she was just going to make fun of Boimler's program, really, and she was the therapy plotline was going to get dropped, and this was just like she ran out of therapy with the or the Green Bird counselor. The Green Bird who always makes food references. Mm-hmm. I thought she was going to run out of there and then the captain would think that she's in therapy when really she's dicking around the Boimler's holodeck. But apparently this also was therapy. She gets to shout at the holodeck captain and she gets to say what she really thinks and doesn't have to hold anything back. And that's fantastic. And she introduces the crew and there's the Orion slave pirate girl. <laughs> and that was funny. And I can't remember what Rutherford was. He was a cyborg man. He was going to like. He was half half man meat, half robot meat. I yes, think uh, he said. Yeah, he. But that was like he, he was the number one sub boss. You know, mm-hmm. he was the sub boss. And then they had 
um, a Boimler character that was just a weird clone. Hi, I was supposed to be played by a Boimler. <laughs> I've, I just, I was having a, a jolly old time. A jolly old time, Kyle. <laughs> and then the ship, they get into action stuff, and does the ship crash? It does event. It does at some point. Yeah, they yeah. blow it up. But first, they board it. Yeah, so they board it. But I want to kind of jump to where I think there's a lot of character stuff going on because eventually, Vindicta, Mariner Khan, mm-hmm. as I like to call her, she encounters herself, mm-hmm. and it's Holodeck Mariner as this ideal, not ideal, but as this Starfleet officer through and through there to fight the bad guy, and. Mar, um, evil Mariner Vindicta, the real one, says, you know, oh, you're this and you're that, and then Holodeck Mariner says some stuff back to her. It's like, no, I'm this and I'm that, and it's all based on the Holodeck's personality, like, building a character reference. Mm-hmm. And the episode goes to quite great lengths to imply that the Holodeck representations of these people are pretty accurate to the person. Yeah. The captain's bang on, there was a joke earlier in the episode um, with the Bajoran chief of security mm-hmm. and Rutherford and Rutherford's like, how do you know this is going to be accurate? And then the Bajoran security man's like, shut up, I'm doing stuff with the weapons. And Rutherford's like, hey, I just had that conversation with the real one 20 minutes ago. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I laughed, Kyle, I laughed. It was the, so- one that, the one that didn't that work, that was a bit of a reference for a reason was uh, when he has the minigun and he says, say hello to the power wraiths in hell. And I was like, that's not how the power wraiths work. Yeah. But uh-huh. that's that's a different that's a different conversation. It's a whole different conversation. A pa- and then evil Vindicta, when she's fighting Holodeck Mariner, finds out some truths about herself that she didn't know that she had about her loyalty to the captain and whatnot and it's the mother mm-hmm. and she learned something about herself that I think she needed to be told by herself but wasn't ready to admit and there was some character mm-hmm. growth there and I thought it was lovely I thought it was very nice and she was yeah. able to admit certain things to herself through a holodeck version of herself and she needed to be told it because she wasn't ready to admit it it's all yeah, it's, mirrors and symbolisms it's, it's an episode, another episode with, with the fucking plane Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason for this episode to exist it was lovely, and it turned. Even though it was Boimler's idea, it was his program that got hijacked. It mm-hmm. really turned out to be about Mariner because we get to the end of the interview. We get to the end of the episode, and Boimler has that fateful interview, mm-hmm. and he oh he wants to bake the captain cookies. And he's like, "What's your favorite um, kind of cookie?" And he's like, "She's allergic." He's talking. To- he's talking to the the ransom uh, holiday character while he's dying. Yeah. <laughs> he dies. What was our favorite flavor? It's like chocolate or something. Someone, somebody else says chocolate, and he's like, "You kidding? She's allergic to chocolate." Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that I thought that was swell. And then he he goes to the interview at the end, and he completely freaks out and runs out of the real interview with the captain because he's completely crashed and burned. Mm-hmm. And the, the stinger of the episode is, hmm, Ensign Boimler didn't prepare for his interview. Very disappointing. <laughs> Yeah, that's the whole episode was him trying to prepare, and I just it was like ah. Well, the reason he he failed the interview is because he went back into the holodeck to hollow hollow Mariner's funeral, where the captain's just like, yes, she was secretly my daughter, and if everyone anyone ever found out, it would ruin me. (laughs) 
So I, the episode does have development for the tertiary characters as well, which I like. Which is, um, so Rutherford basically immediately gives up on being evil and just decides he wants to be friends with the chief engineer. He wants to, yeah, he was like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to tell the chief engineer exactly what I think about him. You're like, oh, he's, yeah. this is, this is going to be his, his, his thing for Mariner to get what she thinks out to the mum. This is his opportunity mm-hmm. to do the same for his boss in engineering. But no. He's like, you're really neat, dude. Yeah, and I love that at the end when they're in the bar, and it's and it's like very obvious that the chief engineer really just wants someone to talk to. Like he sat there alone, just drinking by himself. <laughs> he's playing chess. And he would probably I think. really appreciate it. Yeah. And Rutherford's like, now nah, he's just a stone cold badass. Look at him. I can't <laughs> talk to him. I did think that was funny, but the other one was a uh, Tendy, who I think is. Probably my least favorite of the main cast, which is weird because I think most people like her. I like Tendi. She's fine. I think she's a wholesome joy fest, but she's not too much. I think she just has the least going on as a character. I like her character as she's she's really nice. And there's the one episode where she gets super obsessed with having that one guy like her, which was a bit more. And this one I liked because. um, Mariner is kind of accidentally super racist to her, which was which was fun. Where she's like, "I actually I'm not a slaver. Could you please stop saying that?" We haven't been slavers for at least five years or something. That did make me laugh. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. some some Orions haven't been slavers for near five years. It's like yeah, <laughs> it's like that since, did make me laugh. since the ending of Nemesis, the universe changed drastically. The Orions have evolved so quick. <laughs> there was, there wasn't, that was another thing where it's just, because that was a question I had, right, of, of as soon as I saw attendees, aren't the Orions like horrible slavers? But this, she's like, no, some of them are, but not me. That's, that's fine. That's it. That's all you need. Now, I want to talk about the season final. Last episode. Okay. Uh, there is a a new captain on another ship that's just like the Cerritos. Mm-hmm. Can't remember its name, but it's the same class of ships. It's an identical ship. They all have their shoes off. They all have their shoes off because it's a brand new ship, Kyle. You're not going to mess the carpet and you're not going to take the screen protectors off the touch pads, Kyle. Well, you don't. You want to get mm-hmm. fingerprints on this new computer screen? Think again. Take those shoes off. I don't want to mess up the carpet because TNG ships have carpet and floors and it's funny. It's funny. It's going to get messy and dirty, right? <laughs> and then a big ship shows up. And it's apparently a Packled ship. And it wasn't obvious to me that it was Packled. Packled at first and said, it was like, you make ship go. And mm-hmm. they, they, I think it's quite a good action scene, actually. It's actually, yeah, it's it's actually quite an effective, almost, like, horror scene. Yeah, it's the ship getting, like, its absolute comeuppance handed to it. It's almost like yeah. the start of Star Trek 09. This is this is it's it's another concept that I actually really enjoyed. Is let's take a kind of silly villain from TNG, like what the original episode they kidnap Jordy and make him improve the weapon systems or something, right? You make the ship go. Yeah, so it's taking those kind of silly enemies and making them like a genuine threat on the level of the Klingons or the Borg. I thought it was hilarious that they thought every ship was the Enterprise. Yes. <laughs> it's an it's another enterprise. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
But yeah, so they've got these big claws that come and just rip pieces off of the ship, and it's it's really fun. It's a really interesting, like it's an actual Star Trek concept. It's, al- it's almost like they're harvesting the ship. Yeah, they're like the board and they talk, and they scan it, and they've got all these different pieces from different technologies. Yes, the Packlids are interesting scavenger people, but also a bit of a con. yeah, yeah. The Packlids are good. So we find out that. Before the ship gets destroyed, they send out a distress call and the only two ships in the area are the Shreto and the Titan. And it does it even works on previous episodes where uh I can't remember the captain's name. Uh ah. What ship? Cerritos. I can't What's remember. Her name? I can't remember the name either. I'm just calling Mariner's it. Mariner's mum. Yeah, I know who it is, but Freeman there is. It's written on the screen in front of me. So Freeman, throughout the show, she she keeps going like, we need to get the Cerritos to be taken more seriously. Yeah, she doesn't like, like being a second contact ship. Yeah, she they're this tiny, they're a smaller ship. They're not the Enterprise. They're not even the Titan. They're just... They're one of the ships that would get blown up at Wolf 359. <laughs> According to one of the main people that came up with the show, because I sent you a video of him being interviewed on mm-hmm. a YouTube channel called Trek Yards recently, and again, I think he totally gets Star Trek universe and the functionality and chip design because they, in the interview, they quite heavily talk about chip designs and whatnot and where are turbo lifts is their big monsters ink chasm inside the ship or is it the old tubes, <laughs> you know. Um, and there's a brief clip where you see they try and scale up the ship next to a galaxy class, and he mm-hmm. happens to mention that the the video that the people in the interview they done a custom render and they do it based on you know bridge sizes and windows and lights yeah. and stuff. But they say that he, there is an exact figure of the size of the ship, and it does exist. But the ship's a bit big. The, the ship is a bit big in the render that they showed him. And mm-hmm. he says that he really wanted to make his own kind of next Miranda class, where it's fairly common. It's not. It's not a ship of the line, but it's not mm-hmm. also. It's not a saber. It's not a small thing either. It's a medium tier ship, you know. Yeah. So, so I'm I, when you say Wolf Three Five, they're quite apt. Miranda's first contact. They're all getting destroyed left, right, and center. Yeah, and I, I like, it's not just that they're, because you could do this show where they are on the Enterprise. Like, that's what the original, that's what the title is based on, is yeah. that episode of TNG. Yes, you're right. And you could do that, but actually having even the captain be this lesser form of Starfleet is interesting. And she does have a bit of an inferiority complex about it, and, and that plays into why she's like, no, we're going after this distress call, yeah. not the Titan. Let Raker put that in his pipe and smoke it. Yeah. We'll stick it to him this time. I thought that was... I had it spoiled for me, but I thought that... Before I got it spoiled for me, I thought that was going to be the only reference to him. I kind of wish it was. Okay. Controversial opinion. So, I I mean, you wanted to talk... Did you have other things to talk about with the finale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got more stuff I want to say. So, they go and they go into the... The field, if you like, the asteroidy field. Mm-hmm. And, or the debris field, I guess. And there's a big Star Trek trope of, usually in the first season, TNG, when they saw their sister ship, the galaxy, I think, getting destroyed. And then in mm-hmm. Discovery Season 1, you see the Glen, the USS Glen, that gets destroyed, and they're just clones of the hero ship. Yeah. You know? Um, and it happens, it's a thing. You know, in TOS, you see the Defiant, and the... Um, Mm-hmm. You see multiple Constitution class ships actually not being in their best shape. 
so I kind of like that they continue that trope with you seeing the copies of the ship because one thing that bugged me was every ship you saw in Lower Decks they were all just Surreos yeah in Space Dock same ship same ship everywhere but I quite like them going into the debris field of a ship that was identical to theirs being destroyed because I think that will play with the crew quite a bit seeing like basically their ship in pieces mm-hmm. and then the Packlids show up and I think this captain is quite competent, reasonably so. Like, she could be of a better ship if I think she applied herself. Not applied herself, she does apply herself. I don't know why she's the head of the Cerrito. I think she could I mean, easily captain a I, better I, ship. I, I would disagree with that. I think she does kind of fuck up quite a bit. Like, do you remember the episode where the scheduling? she installs the schedule one? Yeah. And yeah. she just drives the, sh- the crew absolutely insane, <laughs> other than Boimler. I, I think Captain Jellicoe is of the same thought thought is that though you know they make a reference Mariner says at some point we don't yeah. need some Jellicoe type substitute captain I was like is Jellicoe really that infamous as a substitute captain in Starfleet that one that was one of those jokes that didn't really work for me I know I see again I think maybe I take this show a little bit more in jest than you do I'll let stuff I'll let like that so I enjoy the TOS joke and whatnot I'll let stuff like that slide here or there if the show's good and I think it is because I, I really like the characters, Kyle. I can't emphasize that enough. But anyway, I can see that. so we're getting they're getting their comeuppance. But this captain has the shields up, and they do some evasive maneuvers, and it's a good. I think it's a, I think the show does action quite well, actually, Kyle, for his generic mm-hmm. art style. And then they're held in a tractor beam, Kyle. They've got us. Mm-hmm. And then the captain makes this stupid decision: don't power up the engines, power them off. Because clearly the other ship that was destroyed, whose name I can't remember, they must have tried this. They must have tried to get away and their engines blew up. But mm-hmm. no, let's cut the engines because she was astute enough to know that the other ship must have done powered them up. And let's just see if we can get out of this by not overloading our engines in a tractor beam that's too powerful for us. And then you just lost in a cell. Now it's pretty mm-hmm. crippling, but you're still alive. Then we're kind of, we're in Ship Creek, you know, Kyle. That's the nacelle destroyed, warp drive's gone. Mm-hmm. They kind of drag them in, and uh, I just remembered I'm going to make another hot Acceleracers reference. Right. So uh, there's a there's a thing in Acceleracers where it's called a sweeper, and it takes in the car, and it starts taking it apart piece by piece. And does that sound familiar to you? Well, but... <laughs> well, but... There you go, there's my hot Acceleracers reference. No one will get that, but okay... It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. You're doing it for you, and I support your decisions. <laughs> and then when all the hope seems lost, another Enterprise comes in, Kyle. Well, no. Here, Okay, this is the reason I don't like this episode. So, they, they're they at their white sand. There's the one ship, and they send uh, Rutherford with Badgie and the, the Shax, I think Shax, his name is. I think his name is Shax, yes. Lord Shax with the crucible. Uh, they send him and to to upload a virus, and he ends up sacrificing himself, which I thought was a weird choice since I we don't really know him that well. It's fine, but I didn't really feel any emotions about it because I, I barely knew him. Because you know, if it was a Star Trek episode, then it was following the main the main line of the crew. It would be he would be the one to sacrifice himself. A lower decks person, unless it's like I know you get red shirts, they die all the time, but it's never like a pivotal sacrifice to save, to save the ship, you know. Discovery, mm-hmm. episode one, they send the captain and the um, the prisoner first officer onto the Klingon ship and it's yeah. like a, a 
just an evil fight because we all hate each other. We have a sword fight. Sword fight, yeah. And this is like a poignant, we're going to plant a virus and we're going to get the hell out of here. And mm-hmm. we need to use your cyborg brain to carry it. And it's pretty risky. He might die. But then Shax yeah. rushes him to the shuttle. Well, they have, they have the, uh, the, there's like a red herring. They have the, um, I don't know what it's called, the little robot person. Oh, exocomp. The exocomp. I didn't like the exocomp. Um, no, but they're all like, you could just upload the virus. And she just goes, nah, bye. And just transfers okay. space. Yeah. That was weird. But anyway, it makes more sense for Rutherford to do it anyway. Uh, but yeah, so they've done all that. They've saved the ship. It is a big heroic moment. And then three more ships show up. And then the Titan just destroys them all. And it just, it feels it feels pointless to me. Like, you didn't need it to happen. The, the conflict was already resolved. And then you added a new conflict just to resolve it again by Deus Ex Riker. I am not versed. To fan service, I'm not immune to it. And you know what? Everything was done. It's like George and Hale reach with your no- brotherhood was noble six, mm-hmm. and you know that he says, "Tell him to make it count," and he chucks him out the airlock. Except in this case, it's mm-hmm. the shuttlecraft. And then Shax is George. You know, uh, the the packed lead ship takes heavy damage or whatnot, and he dies. Mm-hmm. And I think it shows that the show in this universe is stakes, unless they bring him back. And I. I'm not utterly unconvinced that they will. I think I think they actually. There's, but it's possible they might try and bring them back. But I hope they don't. Well, here's what's going to happen. It's it's not. It's going to be like um, like Harry Potter, where the new Defense Against Dark Arts teacher is always evil. <laughs> the new security officer is the, is absolutely going to be a bad guy. The first one, anyway. Oh God, I hope not. Anyway, the Titan, the, the other Enterprise, comes in with quantum and photon torpedoes. They have different bays. Very good, very effective. And this is the first mm-hmm. time we've ever seen the Titans Luna class design an official cannon. It's been in book covers and it's been in games, but that was always beta cannon. This is like mm-hmm. cannon. I've And they're wearing they're wearing movie uniforms re- for some reason. There was a time in like the Dominion War where some of the uniforms crossed over a little bit. I'm not averse to thinking and obviously Discovery's doing it too with the Discovery uniforms and TOS uniforms crossing over. And that's just the thing they're adopting now. Multiple different uniforms can exist for different starships, different sectors of space. Maybe. It just I I know this is a well established thing, but it's always just made me feel like Starfleet is a bit unprofessional. <laughs> it's like guys, you gotta keep a consistent uniform. Come you, on. You the have, Klingons keep a consistent uniform. You have replicators, just make the new one. Exactly. It's not difficult, just Starfleet command issues. Alright, everyone, new uniforms, and you just do it. You can get them replicated to size, it's fine. Yes, if you're in the outer regions of space, you don't have admirals checking in to make sure you've done it all the time. Um, the well, Riker just likes the old uniforms. <laughs> he just likes the old uniforms. And he he knew he knows Mariner. And yeah. this is this is a thing that I don't really like about modern Trek, starting from 09. Mm-hmm. They imply the route from ensign to captain is really quick. Really quick. And th- yeah. there shouldn't be an age equivalence with Mariner and Riker. I, like, I don't... Well, even in an earlier episode, one of her uh, crewmen, one of her the flashback when they're academy members... Oh yeah, she, she's no. the captain. No, this different yeah. episode. This different episode. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. Uh uh-huh. I do think they and it's like she's she was a lieutenant and then she was demoted and then you know it's like she goes up and down the ranks like a yo-yo because she doesn't. Well, it's want very unclear. I think I find it unclear how old anyone is supposed to be on the show. Because I think Mariner is supposed to be like late twenties, maybe early thirties. Yeah, I see. I see Tandy is like fresh out of the academy, early twenties, yeah. and Rutherford maybe mid twenties, and maybe Boimler is near is near Mariner's age, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, so we then reach the the end where you know Riker shows up and saves the day in his uniform, and I I'm all I'm all here for it, Kyle. You know it's. Like Mikey Arlem says, it'd be boring if the best of both worlds ended with the board tube just going to sleep. It has to blow up. It'd be wrong mm-hmm. if they just planted the virus. Need more ships. Need the Titan. Well, the ship did blow up. I know, but you need the Titan. And Diana's there as well. I was really surprised. And we why never... were you surprised by that? I don't know. I just... I, for some reason, I was like, why are you on the bridge, Diana? And I was like, well, TNG, you're all on the bridge. I know, I know. It, I, know I don't yeah. know why I was surprised, Kate. It doesn't make sense, but I was surprised. I assume she is she not the first officer of the Titan? Maybe. I never I assume so. Maybe. I never thought about it, to be honest with you. And they haven't had kids yet and their life hasn't gone horribly wrong, so this is like that <laughs> their son hasn't died of a horrible virus. Yeah, this is great. This is they're riding high, Kate. Riding <laughs> oh, high. I hate the card so much. And you know what it's like ha and oh, Jonathan Frakes also sounds energetic and enthused. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it was just fun to see everyone having a good time in the universe. Like, also these stories are so much smaller in scope. It's not yeah the burn. It's not uh, the, the reapers. Yeah, the reapers. It's not you know, mirror universe empire and clown wars to destroy the federation. It's small little episodes with week by week plot points and there's consequences, but it's not the end of the federation. <laughs> It's it's just just it's good little things, you know, little resolve conflict and resolution episodes that go week on week, and that's nice. And I hope Strange New World is going to be like this. You can have I character so points that cross over episodes, and the characters can grow, but the the events of the episodes can be completely self contained. Two part. Well, I think there. I think this show does that well, actually. Like they bring Badgie back for the finale. Yeah. Um. The the fact that Boimler finds out that the cat uh, Mariner's the captain's daughter. That carries over into the next episodes. They do do stuff like that, and I think they do it well. It's but it's not a, it's not a full arc of epic proportions. And was I saw someone I can't remember. I think it was like a, it was like a blog talking about the uh, the last episode. I was like after nine episodes of irrelevant filler, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's the whole show. <laughs> You can't call it a relevant filler when it's an episodic show. Every episode is its own story. Is the show? Yeah, I I find it incredibly annoying where people. But I bet that same person's a massive fan of Discovery. And they, probably like, yeah. And I don't mean. But to like, are about, we really at the point now where people don't recognize episodic television? I think so, and it annoys the hell out of me. Things it's always sunny that exists. Yeah, friends. People watch that all the time. They finish all ten seasons and they start again in every episode of the week. You know, these people claim to love TNG and DS Nine. I know DS Nine is a wee bit of a separate case, but you know, Voyager and TOS. They love all these weekly. DS Nine is still for the most part episodic. I know, and I do agree with you. But Star Trek, I just don't want to antagonize Star Trek fans. It was actually the first show to serialize story tales. You know, Kyle. It's like, yes, I did. <laughs> and um, it's you know it. 
these people, they're so enthralled with The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard and these big 10 episode long films with the first three episodes is just one arc. You're just getting started three weeks in, you know? And I think that's a very... If you, that's, I think that also goes into why people like discovering stuff. They want spectacle and film. That's just what they want. I think that's just that is the desire of the audience in the marketplace. And I find it slightly depressing. It's fine. I don't mind. I love. I love Breaking Bad. I love Game of Thrones. I love The Walking Dead. But I mean, the problem with Discovery is also it's not just that that's what people want. It's that Discovery doesn't do it good no, enough no, no, to yeah, justify that's what, it. That's what I mean. It doesn't do. It, it doesn't do it well. But people are so tuned into that form of storytelling there, where even if it is bad, I don't think they're going to care. It's still the kind mm. of TV format they enjoy. And yeah, there isn't. I don't think there's any relevant filler in. Lord X. Oh. You can have an you can have a filler you can have a filler scene in an it's, episode. I mean, yeah. It's almost like a it's a silly thing to even say because it's it's episodic. There is no filler. And you know what this season done? It made me interested in season two. The last it episode did. did. Yeah. I the crew is now slightly separate. Rutherford has no memory and amnesia, and Tendy's gonna be there and be his friend and she's so wholesome and yay, we get to be best friends all over. Well, again. I I do I do wonder if they're trying to do romantic stuff there i'm not entirely sure i know sure. i know it feels like the engine's struggling to start it, I, I yeah i get what you mean it's like it's, if they're trying to do something here you're you're really drawing it out yeah. and um and now boimler took the promotion that he always wanted and he's on the titan just it's as, a weird place to end it i don't know how Marino they're going to continue on from that because so I... apparently Riker is going to be in season two but i don't know if he's only going to be in the first episode and then he gets horribly demoted back to the surreal <laughs> Or if, I kind of assume, that kind of has to happen for the show to exist. You might right? do a couple of episodes as pen pals. Maybe. Um, uh, Riker will be around. Like he, he'll be like a gold cat of the show. He hasn't. He won't be in the main title sequence, but he might show up from time to time as a special guest star. I expect to see different special guest stars for sure. I definitely oh, so think do I. that's. I mean, it's fine to have a special guest episode. Although I will say, um, the episode with Q in it. Q was pretty bad in that episode. I don't know why he was in that episode. No, Q, Q, it wasn't a Q episode. Q it shows was... up for people who interest him and interesting events. The only mm-hmm. Federation starship in the Delta Quadrant from a celestial being that's hardly than 75,000 light years away from home. Q would show Picard. up for that. Yeah. The flagship he likes of the... Picard. Yeah, he likes Picard. He finds Picard interesting. The flagship of the Federation that thinks they're... Because they're the best of the best. And well, I mean, I don't, I don't question Q's motives for being on the Cerritos. He could just be having fun with this random ship I, I, of like nobodies. Like, it was the episode, the line. I don't think and, he's um, that sadistic, though. It's, it's well, this is the thing. This episode is the one that, that read to me as somebody who doesn't who has, hasn't watched TNG's impression of who Q is. I would agree. He shows up and he's wearing the uh, the, the courtroom the, judge uniform. The courtroom uniform. And that's not what he wears. That's just Q. that's the judge's uniform that's, of that era. Yeah, that's not like a Q uniform. Yeah. Q comes up and he's usually wearing a captain's uniform. And when I first heard yeah, Q he's... was going to show up, I assumed he was going to show up and he was going to taunt the Lord X crew and he was going to be wearing an ensign uniform just to like fit in. That's what I assumed was going to happen. But the way, the way they use him is 
just as like a punchline. It's so bizarre. And as and uh, John Delancey is just fucking floating in that performance. Oh, he, he's, he's just so there for the paycheck. Care. And I think that that hurt that one. It upsets me. I like I get it, and it wasn't even. I think if he was used in a better way, he might have done more with it. John Delancey isn't a phone and an actor. Very good in Breaking Bad. He's very good in all things he's in. And I think he, he genuinely enjoys Star Trek. I believe that. He'd done enough of it. And he'd done good performances in it. But this was a bad use of the Q character and I totally think he was phoning it in because he knew that. Whereas, you know what? His performance kept reminding me of uh, Jenny Nicholson recently did a video on BronyCon. Right. And if you weren't aware, uh, John Delancey did a documentary on bronies. I did not know John Delancey done a documentary on bronies. Yeah, apparently John Delancey once appeared in an episode of My Little Pony, but his performance in this reminded me of his performance in that bronies documentary. <laughs> so that should, uh, should give you some indication. Well, they should have used him the way they used Chief O'Brien. Yeah. They don't bring Colmenia in for it because there's no purpose. Yeah. I, I, that was one I liked where it was like, so they've got the boy more effect and it's letting the crew make their own time or whatever. Yeah. And it's, yeah, whatever. It's a, it's a fun joke. The boy more, the, the most uptight one is the one who gets this, right? Whatever. But up, bum, but um. <laughs> and they jump way into the future. And what, for one, I like that far in the future, Starfleet is still a thing. Looking at you, Discovery. Did you see how far in the future it was. No, they just said far, far in the future, but that's it'll be whatever. like in the twenty seventh century. Yeah, and they and they cut to to the most important person of all, Starfleet, and it's and it's Chief, and it's Chief O'Brien, <laughs> and that's fun. I like that. That's fun. Yeah, that's fun. He I, deserves it. The poor guy. He's the poor. He's been through enough. Um, the Q one I didn't like, but I loved. I I really got a kick out of the Riker one because it, it does interest me. I want to know where season two goes now. He's a lieutenant on the Titan. And um, Mariner sending him tons of messages on his iPad, being like, hey, well, you, I can't believe you threw that promotion, blah, 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 blah. And also he's getting new friends on the Titan as well. But I think they might be replaceable. I don't really think we're going to see much yeah. of them. And I, I love, Kyle, I love the Stinger. What was the Stinger? Oh, no, so they're talking about um, going to a place and then there's like the Rise of Statues. I can't remember what they're called. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, do you want to bring our mini Rise of Statue? And then like, he leans over to Troy and looks it right in the face, like, no, we'll use the one we always use. And it's like a cheeky sex joke, because, you know, Riker's yeah. a, a mad a mad ladies' man. And Boimler's at the helm and all that, and it's ha-ha-ha-ha. And then he's like, and then Riker's like, give me warp and a factor of five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> and then it just starts, like, it's jazz music, and then um, Diana's yeah. like, oh, the jazz. <laughs> <laughs> and they jump to warp speed, and that's it. Yeah, okay, I remember. It's good. It's just, it's nice. Star yeah. Trek Lower Decks is nice and it doesn't take itself too seriously. And there's an argument to be made that it probably should take itself seriously. I do like the, the parts of the show that really stand out to me are the parts where it takes itself more seriously, like the therapy episodes. Uh-huh. And I, 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 do, I agree I with you. I do hope they go going into season two, they do do that a bit more. But I, yeah, so I I agree, but I think there's a balance that can be struck, and maybe this first season isn't perfect. I don't, again, I don't think it is. Sure. And there is there's plenty of opportunity for this show to grow and get better. Obviously, I don't want the first season to be their best, and it's just all down there. Yeah. Get better by all means. I'm totally. It, it feels like it. it feels like the opposite argument of um, 
of because people this is an argument people always say about the first few seasons of Discovery and Picard if you don't like them it's like oh well the first season of TNG isn't that great either but the first season of TNG had potential right and, and this show does actually yeah this show does have good episodes in it and it does have a good premise with um with Discovery and Picard the the entire show's premise is what's the problem? It's and it's and it's one and it's one story. So if that one story is flawed, then your entire season's flawed. Exactly, and that that's a different conversation to be had. I'm trying to justify how I can say the season shows potential and not say that about Picard. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not excited for Picard season two. I am interested in Lord X season two. I, 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 yeah, okay, I, I, I get what you mean now. Picard, to me, is, I, I still like the first couple of episodes of that show, but the sheer lunacy of where that show goes, I think, is like, yes, fine, it can get better. I hope for better. I want to like the shows I watch, Kyle. I'm not a mental nutcase that wants things to be bad. But if something is so bad and like even an improvement, where's that going to take us? Still not as good as the first season of Lord Dex. You can have a show that's not perfect in its first season, but is still enjoyable enough to keep me wanting yeah, to watch I, I think, it. I think TNG is a good example of that. The first season they have some pretty crap episodes, like uh, like the one where they have to fight with a spike ball around this uh The, the this big arena. racer cube for Tasha Yar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you even like episodes where Tashi Yard just gets killed off by a tar monster. Like there's dumb stuff that happens in season one of TNG. Yeah. There's the episode where there's a planet ruled by women and Riker has to wear weird outfits and they're like, <laughs> I think it makes you look sexy. There's the episode where Wesley's gonna get murdered because he broke a oh, greenhouse. And all the sexy ladies and the men and he's running around. Yeah. The sex planet. The yeah. Sex planet. I think they referenced that in Lord X. I think so too. Yeah. But yeah, so there is there and I think that's I honestly think Lord X on the whole might actually be a little bit better than TNG season one. Because TNG season one has some low lows. It does have some high highs too, but like on a on a baseline scale, I think Lord X is a bit more solid. I don't know if I'm in a position to compare them. There's just also more episodes in TNG season one. There's like twenty odd. Sure, there's only yeah. ten here. I I I I missed full seasons. I really do. Sure. Yeah. But uh, well, that's people don't have the attention span for full seasons anymore. What? I don't know why. Don't why have we moved away from full seasons? No attention spans, Kyle. They're gonna stop watching. Like hurry up and wrap the season up already. Can't be bothered. Well, as of tomorrow, they're going to start Discovery Season 3, so we'll be back in a few weeks to talk about that. Mm. But, uh... mm. Who knows? Maybe maybe we'll come back and we'll think Season 3 was great! It was, it was what we wanted Discovery always to be! And, you know, maybe we will. I hope it is. But right now, Lord Dex is just, to me, simply delightful. <laughs>